The reading tonight is from Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her elder son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his, necks, of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said to his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. 
He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my games that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He's deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Father, we trust and believe that you have work to do within us this evening. And so we thank you that your word is powerful to do that. Please be at work in us. Would you convict us of sin where that needs to happen? Will you bring us to repentance where that needs to happen? Will you lift us with the knowledge of your goodness, your patience, your determination to not let sinners go who trust in Jesus Christ? Would you by your spirit be at work within us? We need you to be. Change us even tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Crime does not pay. Actually, I found out that's an FBI slogan from uh, the 1920s. It was internally, they used it to sort of, you know, chest bump and encourage one another. Crime does not pay. Yes, yes. And they sort of, you know, go out in a determination to uh, catch the criminals. Then it became a public thing. And I guess it's sort of... Uh, a fairly well-known phrase now, crime does not pay. But do, do you believe that? Um, do you think that's right? I mean, lots wouldn't, I take it. There are plenty of people who would, perhaps even here, happily just cheat a little bit financially, work or tax forms or the thing. Who would lie a little bit to their advantage if they can get away with it? who would misbehave sexually and think, well, if no one knows, I've got away with it. Crime does pay. Uh, you, none of you here would have seen it probably, but old Woody Allen film, Take the Money and Run, 
no. Anyway, but uh, one of he puts he puts into the the uh, the mouth. It's a comedy. It's a farce, really. But he puts into the mouth of one of his characters. I think crime pays. The hours are great, and I get to travel a lot. And uh, I wonder if sometimes it's easy to sort of drift into that. Well, if I can get away with something, fine. Doesn't really matter if if particularly if people don't get hurt. I can get away with something. That's all right, isn't it? No. And one thing that comes out very clearly from Genesis chapter 27 is, not crime so much, but sin does not pay. Sin does not pay. Here's a chapter of the Bible where everyone really concerned, all the main players are obsessed or concerned with obtaining God's blessing, either for themselves or for someone else. They're desperate to get God's blessing and all of the characters sin to try and achieve that. And it ends up disastrously for all of them. None of them get what they want because sin does not pay. Scrub that out from your NIV rather than Jacob gets Isaac blessed. No, I'm not saying that. But the, that's the point I think you get in Genesis chapter 27. Now, if you're joining us, uh, very welcome indeed. Um, the book of Genesis, uh, which we're working through in sort of various little blocks, uh, the book of Genesis is essentially God's plan or his determination to bless the world through one family and its descendants. So, um, several years ago. Uh, Genesis chapters 1 to 11 essentially is a long prologue. I mean, that's a bit of a misnomer, really. But describes how mankind is spiraling down and conditions are getting worse and worse morally. So by the end of chapter 11, things are very bad. Chapter 12, God starts again. He makes promises to Abraham that through that man and through that man's family, he will bless the entire world. So chapters... um, 12 to 25, all about Abraham. We're now, uh, this term, looking at chapters 25 to 35. Isaac and his descendants, particularly, primarily, it's going to be about Jacob. And again, the point is God is still determined to bless the world through this family, this dysfunctional family, even this ridiculous family, because he has promised, and his promises are trustworthy. It is a sheer act of his generosity that this family will be blessed. They clearly don't deserve it. So that's what's going on really in, um, uh, in uh, this, this whole section, uh, 25 to 35. So what we'll look at tonight, we'll look at the main characters. Actually, we won't have time for Esau in any detail, but Isaac, Rebecca, and Jacob. And uh, as is sort of fairly characteristic already emerging in this series, we'll look at their failures uh, before the end turning to recognize that it is only by God's grace that this family will receive anything. Let's work through them then. Uh, We're going to look at these three. Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob. First then, Isaac. And if we can put it this way, Isaac follows lusts, not God. Then we'll look at Rebecca. Rebecca focuses on ends, not means. Jacob fears exposure, but not sin. I think we'll conclude with two things. So first then, Isaac. Isaac follows lusts, but not God. Let me pick it up on uh, at the end of chapter 26. We didn't have it read by Vidge, but just chapter 26, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, makes Isaac about 100, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beeri the Hittite, 
and also Basimath, daughter of Elon the Hittite, they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. There's all sorts of issues here. Isaac, yes, he's probably about 100 years old. Probably, he's, well, we're told he's feeling his age a little bit. But question, why has he let his son Esau marry these two women? He should not have done. Back in chapter 24, uh, don't need to turn it up, but chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, Abraham is very clear that his son Isaac must marry within the clan and must not marry Canaanites, Hittites. Hittites just a branch of Canaanites. Abraham says it's really, really important that we marry within our clan because God has said he will bless the world through this family. Don't marry outside. And he's determined that Isaac doesn't do that. Isaac's a hundred. His son is 40. Isaac should have been like his dad and found a good wife. Abraham bust a gut, or got his servants to, to find Rebekah for Isaac. Isaac should have found a good wife for his son, Esau. But he's 40. His dad's not got him a son. Sorry, uh, his dad has not got Esau. Let me start that again. It was all sorts of trouble. Esau is 40. His dad has not got him a wife. So he thinks, well, I've got better take matters into my own hands. So he takes two. That's not good either. So what you have here in Isaac, there's, I mean, straight off, it's, there's a failure of spiritual leadership going on. He should have sorted this out for Esau, but he hasn't. Clearly, there are other issues going on. He's at war with his wife, as the chapter reveals, or we learn back in chapter 25, even here, chapter 27, verse 5, Rebecca's listening in, nervous. So what sort of family is this? It's really not very good. So Esau gets fed up and he marries not one, but two inappropriate women. And what happens? Verse 35, we're told they're a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Not told why. But clearly they're Hittite women. There's no faith in the Lord, so they'd have different religious practices. Lack of faith in God. Clearly that's implied. But we don't, it's quite a strong term in verse 35. All manners of grief. So, they're just probably awful, generally, is kind of the sense. Esau has married not one, but two terrible wives. That's a mistake you don't want to make once, let alone twice. So, what does, what does Isaac do? He decides he'll pass on the blessing of God to this silly son of his. That's a mistake. Why would Isaac bless Esau? who we've learnt already is a fool who's willing to give up the blessing of God and has married two nutty wives. Why would, he, why would Isaac do that? More importantly, if you were here um, when we looked at chapter 25 a couple of weeks ago, the Lord was very clear. It is to not Esau, but to Jacob that the blessing is going to go. Jacob will be the one who receives the blessing, who is the patriarch, who, who uh, drives this project forward, not Esau. So what Isaac is doing here is deliberately, willfully saying, God has spoken, but nah, not interested in that. I want my boy. I want Esau, the man's man. I want him to get the blessing, not Jacob. That is just deliberate rebellion. Now, why would he do such a thing? Well, we are told 
And uh, let me try and persuade you of this, because it is obvious when you read it carefully. Um, why? What's going on? Well, Isaac says, verse 2, I'm now an old man, I don't know the day of my death. Now then go get your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go out into the open country to hunt wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing. What Isaac wants is Esau's food. Eight times just in this chapter, wild game mentioned. Six times in this chapter, uh, verse 7, 9, 14, 17, 31, as well as here in verse 4, tasty food. I want tasty food. Now you could say, so what? It comes up six times in the chapter. It only occurs two other times in the whole Bible or in the Old Testament, this little phrase, tasty food. What the writer is wanting us to pick up here is Isaac is obsessed with his tummy. What is driving him to bless Esau? Esau makes a terrific game curry. And that's what he wants. He is driven to this by his gut. He's not thinking with his head. It's his primal instincts are driving him to choose the wrong son, Esau, over Jacob. He knowingly rebels against God's word and promises blessing to his pagan son. Now, of course, the funny thing here is, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, chapter 25, Esau, for the sake of a pot of a bowl of lentil stew, gives up the blessing of God. Two chapters later, for the sake of a game pie, Isaac chooses the wrong son and rebels against the Lord. You know, there's an obvious pattern going on here. Now, um, we'll see the outcome for Isaac uh, a little later on, but uh, I just want to point out as, as we go through, I think this sort of Isaac following his lusts rather than God, that's, that's not uncommon, is it? I once, we, we talked about this when we looked at the life of Esau, or sorry, we looked at the decision of Esau in chapter 25. But here is a man who says, I want instant gratification now and I'm willing to ignore the clear word of God and the consequences to get this thing now. That's not uncommon, is it? I read one sort of vintage commentator uh, on this. Uh, it just the, the, the language was, is unusual, so that's why it struck me. Put it this way. How many today are like Isaac allowing carnal gratification to override a love for God and his revealed will. That's an old-fashioned way, isn't it? How many are willing to let a, a carnal gratification, an immediate desire, override their desire to follow God in his will? Now, I take it that if I say that words, you know, I say them enough, carnal gratification, most in the room probably think sexually. Well, look, if the cap fits, wear it. And if that's where you're tempted, watch out. Don't allow a moment's sexual pleasure to override the clear word of God and obeying him. It doesn't have to be that, of course. For here it's food. <laughs> that's the issue for Isaac. So it could be um, food as we blow out on a meal on a restaurant that's just beyond our means and we just, whoa, just for this moment. We, it could be food we blow out on could be tongue as we lash out on. could be possessions that we spend out on. Whatever it is, whatever our 
weakness is, the warning here is don't allow a desire for gratification, immediate, a carnal, fleshly, I want that thing. Don't let that trump a desire to follow God when he's been very, very clear. Don't put your short-term appetite before long-term spiritual value. We'll see how that turns out for Isaac. That's Isaac. Isaac follows lusts, but not God. Rebecca. Rebecca, secondly. Rebecca focuses on ends, not means. A bit more subtle, I guess. Verse 5. Rebecca was listening. Why is she listening to her husband, talking to her son? There's a mess. It's a dysfunctional family. They don't trust one another. Uh, Verse 7. When she comes to Jacob, she amplifies. So verse 7. I overheard your father saying, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty foods to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Here's the bit that's added. In the presence of of the Lord before I die. Rebecca gets what's at stake here. Rebecca sees that. This is in the, look, this is taking place in the presence of God. Jacob, come on boy, come on, are you awake now? Come with me boy, because this is the big moment. If you don't do something now, you're going to flunk it and you're going to lose the blessing of God. So she takes charge. As the story is told, verses 5 to 17, it's all her. It's all her. She drives everything, all the ideas. Um, so bring me some food, verse 8. Uh, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Literally do what I command you. She gets exasperated. Uh, go and steal some goat. I'll cook it how the old man likes it. Jacob is a bit nervous about the plan, but verse 13, there's a sense of, oh, for goodness sake, my son, should you just shut up and do what I tell you? Verse 13, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, will you? Go and get them for me. Go and steal some sheep and I'll, go and steal some goats and I'll knock it up as a meal. What do you say about Rebecca at this point? Now, positively, she is trying to stop Isaac's sin. So, chapter 25, verse 22, there she's presented as a pious woman. She prays to the Lord, what's going on in my tummy? There's warfare going on. And God tells her very clearly, Jacob will be blessed and have dominion over Esau. That's the way it's going to work. And so she knows that. And so there's a sense in which she's trying to achieve the right end. Jacob should receive God's blessing. So that is good. But fighting Isaac's sinful behavior by lying, by deceiving her husband by taking advantage of a blind man, bad, not good. Jacob, go and steal the blessing from your poor old blind man. I tell you, while you're at it, on the way home, nickel the money from the busker who's blind at um, Green Park. Give him a kick, because he's a blind man. He won't know what's going on. It's mead, obviously. This is not good, what she's doing. If They haven't quite worked that out. So positively, her spiritual values are sound. But her method deplorable. Obvious point. Biblically, if you're a Christian, you cannot justify a spiritual end by dubious means. You cannot do that. It's not permissible as a Christian. You can't think to yourself, uh, I would, I'd really like my mates to hear of Jesus. 
So if I go out and get lashed with them uh, and on a regular basis and roll around with them in the bar on the floor, then they're more likely to hear of Jesus. Now, good ambition, bad method, biblically. Don't do that. Or to lie. I'd really like, be really good if my, actually my parents, if I could get them along to church so they could hear something because they're always a bit nervous about what I believe. But, um, they, you know, they don't like some of the things that the Bible says. So I'll just be, I'll just, you know, I'll just tell them, no, no, this is, just come and listen. Jesus doesn't say anything about a hell or, or judgment or anything like that. Just, just come and listen. No, again, good desire, bad method, lying. You can't do that. A biblical end or a spiritual end cannot justify dubious means, as Rebecca does here. Can't do that. That's Rebecca. She focuses upon the ends, but not the means. Third, let's spend a bit more time with Jacob. Jacob, and I, there are a number of things, but let me pick out this, that Jacob fears exposure, not sin. He fears exposure, not sin. Now, Jacob, as I said, is largely passive for the first half of this account. Rebecca is saying, come on, wake up, see what's happening. Can you see, can you get your, um, can you get yourself moving now? And so he does, she, and, um, sorry, Jacob does what mummy says. So, uh, after verse 13, when she's uh, a bit brusque with him, uh, off he goes, he does what he's told. And then verse 14, mummy cooks the food. And verse 15, mummy dresses her son. Now, you know things aren't quite right when you're a 40-year-old man and your mother is dressing you. That's not very clever. His only moment of concern is verses 11 and 12. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. I'm a man with a smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. So, Jacob, just to be clear, when you think you appear to be deceiving him, you actually are deceiving him, aren't we? Just, let's just be clear about your behavior here. We can be euphemistic about the words. But you see what concerns him? I might get caught. What he doesn't say as a 40-year-old man that he could and should say is, Mum, that's a bad plan. God has promised me that I will receive his blessing. So we can wait and trust him for that. Mum, Daddy is about to do something daft. But we don't fight sin with sin. That's not the biblical way. Why don't we talk about it as a family? Why don't I step up and exercise some leadership here as a man? Why don't you and Dad sort of sit down and try and talk? Because you're clearly, you know, there's dysfunction going. This is just not right. He doesn't say any of that. He says, hmm, interesting plan, but what if I get caught? I quite like it if I can get away with it. Do you see, he cares about exposure, not about sin. And look, I take it there are plenty here who are in that camp. who are quite content to, I don't know, to sleep with their boyfriend, girlfriend, and know it's wrong, but just carry on doing it. 
But then all of a sudden it emerges, someone, you know, you get caught out. You say, I'm so sorry, so sorry, so sorry that I've done this. So sorry. Why are you sorry? Are you sorry that you've got caught? Are you sorry because you've sinned against God? That's a question you've got to ask right there. Why are you sorry? Because sorrow over consequences is good, but to be honest, big deal. That's just self-centered. Sorrow over the sin itself, that's what matters most of all. Or um, one of your friends, for some reason you just find yourself slipping into a you, you slightly criticize her or him behind their back. A little negative, critical, unkind even. And this just emerges, this sort of comes out into the open. And you say, I am so sorry. I really shouldn't have said those things about you. I am so sorry. And why are you sorry? Are you sorry for the consequences that you've been exposed? There's not such a nice person after all. You've been exposed and your friendship is going to suffer. Are you sorry for that? Well, that's just self-centered sorrow, isn't it? Or are you sorry for the sin? That you've done something which is offensive in the sight of God. It's not hard to be like Jacob and get upset if you get caught. But what a bit more than that? So look, can I just say before moving on, if you are in some sort of pattern of sin with speech, with drink, with money, with sex, whatever it may be, the list is endless. If you're in a pattern and you know it, you think to yourself, yeah, it is wrong. It's not that bad, is it? And if no one knows, I've I've kind of got it under control. If that's you and you're like Jacob, can I just say before moving on, stop that tonight. And confess it to another person, a friend. And confess it to the Lord and repent of the sin before there are obvious consequences. See, Jacob, really, it's, it's exposure he fears. He's not bothered about the sin, the crime, the deceit, the lying to his dad. Let's not be like that. Let's care about behavior. Jacob fears exposure, not sin. Let's push on. So uh, the, uh, as the narrative plays out. So verse 18, finally, um, he's got the food from his mummy. He's got the clothes from his mummy. Verse 18, he went to, he's a 40-year-old man. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you... T- okay, now we've gone up again. He's, he's actively sinning, isn't he? There's no sort of planning or are we going to do this? Are we going to follow through on this? He's off. He's into the scheme and he's actively sinning uh, against his father from verse 19. So he's got on now his redneck costume, his brother's fur uh, on his neck and his hands. So verse 19, he lies. Verse 20, he blasphemes. Isaac, he smells a rat. How did you find it so quickly, my son? Verse 20. Ah, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Praise be to the Lord. Not uncommon, is it? You know, there's something, you know you're doing something a little bit wrong. Just cover it with biblical language and all is fine. Are you sure you should have another drink? Shouldn't you stop? Oh, it's a good gift of the Lord. He loves to give us gifts, and I'm just enjoying that. Do you not think you should apologize, probably, for how direct you were with him just now? Well, just speaking the truth in love. 
as the Bible demands me to do. It's quite easy to do that sort of thing. You can play yourself on side. You can find some biblical justification. The Lord your God, we'll see next week, only after Jacob has wrestled with the Lord does he start to call the Lord my God. At this point, there's distance. So the Lord your God uh, gave me success, he replied. Isaac is suspicious. Verse 21, come, come near me, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So he goes close to his father. Verse 22, the voice is the voice of Jacob. The hands are those of Esau. Verse 24, are you really my son Esau? So many opportunities for him to confess. Are you really my son Esau? I am. <coughs> I am. And uh, as he slightly changes his voice because uh, that's the thing that's exposing him. So many chances to confess. Verse 25, Isaac gets his food. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. Brought some wine and he drank. I think there's meant to be a little bit of irony here. Isaac is willing to betray his God, go against the will of his God, bless the wrong son just for the sake of Esau's game pie. But he's old and his taste buds are shot, so he thinks he's eating Esau's game pie. He's actually eating Rebecca's goat casserole and he cannot tell the difference. I think we're meant to say, look, the whole reason he's committed this crime is for his taste buds. And he can't even taste the difference, I think. <laughs> Verse 27. One last chance. Verse 26, rather. Come here, my son, and kiss me. Isaac's last sort of attempt, just to make sure. Verse 27, Jacob went to him, kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. That's the sort of thing a man says, no woman generally doesn't. Ah, you smell like a field. Mm. Um, but he's recognizing, okay, you smell like Esau. And then the blessing comes. Now, interestingly, what's going on here? This blessing given. This is the only point in which the Bible commends Isaac. So the writer to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, tells us that by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Isaac here is demonstrating faith. He believes that his prophetic pronouncement over this son will turn out to be true. God gave me promises that come true. I trust the Lord so much that if I pass on these promises, they'll be true for him. It's faith. Now, what actually is the blessing? Well, two things are highlighted here. It's not the only thing in Genesis, but the two things that are highlighted. Verse 28, prosperity. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. Prosperity. And verse 29, dominion. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, those who bless you be blessed. Very similar language to that given to Abraham. So those two things are given. Prosperity and dominion. Now, just tangent, we've said this in previous weeks, but let me just say it every week. This blessing of God that is passed on from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to the, the patriarchs, in Genesis terms, it's prime, it's family, it's prosperity, 
crops, fields, etc., sheep, cattle, and its dominion over others. And that promise is given to the patriarchs in Genesis as a picture of a perfect world. So when you, please, again, I say it every week, don't read this and think, blessing, oh, blessing's nice, I want the blessing of God, I want lots of sheep in my garden and uh, crops in my fields and to rule over my brothers. Um, not the same. Again, Christians receive every spiritual blessing now, the blessings of knowing God and therefore contentment and peace, but supremely the blessing of forgiveness and therefore physical blessings in the future in glory. But this blessing is being passed then on. So you can get to the end of this section and think, well, there we go. Jacob gets the blessing of God. Crime pays. Doesn't it? I mean, he's been naughty, but he's got what he desired. Two things, and then we're finished. The first is, just to make this point very, very clear, sin does not pay. Let's look at the main characters. Isaac. So in comes Esau after this, uh, verse 30. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left, his brother Esau came in from hunting. And, um, oh dear, who are you? I'm your son, Esau. Verse 33, Isaac trembled violently. Do we, I mean, you know what that is. That's a... You don't go like that unless you're under severe stress or you're angry. We're not told quite why it is. He's angry that he's been betrayed. He's stressed by this whole sort of plan he's had to try and go around God's will. Whatever it is, he's trembling violently here because his plan of a peaceful dotage, enjoying the game pie of his son, and passing on to the blessing of the son he prefers. His plan is in tatters. He has not got what he wanted through his sin. Esau. Verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And verse 38, he wept. He is distraught. But silly boy, chapter 25, he sold this birthright. Birthright blessing, different, but uh, they're very tightly linked. He sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. End of chapter 25, he despised his birthright. He didn't give a, he didn't care about the blessing of God. He didn't care what God thought of him. And now, silly boy, he's realizing, oh, oh, I made a mistake. He lies about it. So verse 36, Esau says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He's deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Just, just, just one moment, Esau. But chapter 25, you sold your birthright. No one took it from you. You struck a deal. So you can try and justify your frustration to yourself, but it is your fault, Esau. You gave up your birthright. Once, actually, Jacob has betrayed you. Don't try and rewrite history. But he's desperate. So verse 38, is there anything left, Father? Do you have one blessing left? Bless me too, please. He weeps. And what does his father give him? Do you realize verse 39? It's anti-blessing. 
So verse 39, I've given, I've told, I've told Jacob he'll have prosperity and dominion. So what do you get, Esau? Verse 39, you get nothing. You will live away from where the earth is rich. You will live away from where there are good crops. And verse 40, you will suffer under others. You will live by the sword. You will serve your brother. It's anti-blessing. That's all that's left for him. This is not a good blessing. Bad blessing. Oh, listen, at some point in the future, you'll war and you'll overthrow his yoke. But that's hundreds of years away. And so verse 41, Esau plans to murder his brother. Esau, sin, does not pay. Isaac, sin, does not pay. Rebecca. Rebecca. So verse 42, she hears of the plot that Esau has got to murder. So what does she do? Well, she takes charge once again. The Machiavellian matriarch swings into action. Verse 43, now then, my son, do what I say. Flee. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. A while? If you know your Bible, Jacob goes for 20 years. Rebecca never sees him again after this conversation. In fact, Rebecca never appears again in the book of Genesis. Her grave is mentioned, but she never appears on the pages. As far as the author of Genesis is concerned, from this point onwards, Rebecca's persona non grata. She really wanted the blessing of God to go to Jacob, her favored son. And so she sinned or manipulated this situation in order to get it. And what does she get? Nothing. She loses her favorite son, never sees him again. Rebecca, sin does not pay. Jacob. Off Jacob goes, he flees on the road to Laban. Okay, so he's got the promise of blessing, but what's he got right here and right now? He's on the run. He's running away from a man who wants to murder him, and he's got nothing. And where does he go to? He goes to Laban. Now, we'll get there in a couple of weeks' time, but do you know what happens when he goes to Laban? Jacob is the deceiver. Laban is big daddy deceiver. He's the better deceiver. So Jacob goes and wants to marry uh, Rachel. Laban says, you work for seven years, you get Rachel. But they marry at night and Laban slips in uh, the, the other sister, Leah, who he doesn't want to marry into the bed. So he sleeps with Leah and then has to work for another seven years in order to get Rachel. Seven years of his life are deceived away from him. Yeah, okay, Jacob's a deceiver, but what does he get for his troubles? He gets deceived. If he'd have trusted the Lord, he'd have got the blessing anyway. Jacob... Sin does not pay. Do you see for all four of these main characters, all goes wrong. But we might be able to get away with it. But surely, you know, I've seen other people, they do things that are sinful and their lives seem to go okay. Yeah, maybe in the short term, maybe in the medium term. The Lord knows. Sin does not pay. Don't take the shortcut. Don't think you get away with things and it doesn't matter. If there's something you need to confess and repent and change, do it now. Sin does not pay. We believe we can sin and not get hurt. But sin hurts and destroys. Us 
and others. We're fools if we think otherwise. It comes out sooner or later. It's an offense to God. Don't do it. Sin does not pay. Last thing before we finish. Last thing is this. Clothe yourself in Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself in Jesus Christ. What you have here in this unpleasant, dysfunctional family and this bizarre story of Jacob deceiving his father is just a little picture, I think, of the gospel. How do we receive the blessings of God? Peace with him now, relationship with him now, physical in the future. How do we receive those blessings? It is by becoming firstborn sons. How did Jacob badly get the blessing here? Well, he, he, he went to his father and he hid behind the name of the beloved firstborn son and he wore the clothes of the beloved firstborn son. And he shouldn't have done. But the New Testament would say to us, demand of us, to receive the blessing of God, go to the Father, but hide behind the name of his beloved firstborn son, Jesus Christ. And clothe yourself with the robes of righteousness of his beloved firstborn son, Jesus Christ. And it is as you are covered as the firstborn son, that you receive the blessing of God. Forgiveness, peace with him, future, physical, material blessings. The writer of the Hebrews puts it this way, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, talking to the Christians there. You have, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You've come to what? It's very interesting. You've come to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Plural. Many firstborn. You've come to God. If we clothe ourselves in the robes of righteousness of Jesus Christ, we trust he took our sin, we can receive his righteousness. If we do that, we become a firstborn son. We receive God's blessing upon us. Even if you know that you've made the mistakes of all these characters that we've spoken of, repent of them, return to Jesus Christ and receive the blessing of that firstborn. Let's pray together. Our Father, you know what we need to hear. Please convict us more deeply than when we came here tonight that sin does not pay. Expose to us, we pray, the areas of our lives where we doubt your word on that, that we think it is better, that we think we can get away with things that don't really matter. Would you persuade us ever more deeply that sin does not pay? It is an offense to you. And it is damaging to us and to others. But rather, will we trust in the blessing that comes through the firstborn son, Jesus Christ? And knowing that, knowing that we have blessing through him, 
would that liberate us to live obediently, joyfully honouring you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.